Chapter 1 of The Turmoil. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Turmoil, Volume 1 of the Growth Trilogy by Booth Tarkington. Chapter 1. There is a midland city in the heart of fair open country, a dirty and wonderful city nesting dingily in the fog of its own smoke. The stranger must feel the dirt before he feels the wonder, for the dirt will be upon him instantly. It will be upon him, and within him, since he must breathe it, and he may care for no further proof that wealth is here better loved than cleanliness. But whether he cares or not, the negligently tended streets incessantly press home the point, and so do the flecked and grimy citizens. At a breeze he must smother in the whirlpools of dust, and if he should decline at any time to inhale the smoke, he has the meagre alternative of suicide. The smoke is like the bad breath of a giant, panting for more and more riches. He gets them, and pants the fiercer, smelling and swelling prodigiously. He has a voice, a hoarse voice, hot and rapacious, trained to one tune. Wealth! I will get wealth! I will make wealth! I will sell wealth for more wealth. My house shall be dirty, my garment shall be dirty, and I will foul my neighbour so that he cannot be clean, but I will get wealth. There shall be no clean thing about me. My wife shall be dirty, and my child shall be dirty, but I will get wealth. And yet it is not wealth that he is so greedy for. What the giant really wants is hasty riches. To get these he squanders wealth upon the four winds, for wealth is in the smoke. Not so long ago as a generation there was no panting giant here, no heaving, grimy city. There was but a pleasant big town of neighbourly people who had understanding of one another, being, on the whole, much of the same type. It was a leisurely and kindly place, home-like it was called, and when the visitor had been taken through the state asylum for the insane, and made to appreciate the view of the cemetery from a little hill, his host's duty as Baedeker was done. The good burghers were given to jogging comfortably about in Phaetons or in Surreys for a family drive on Sunday. No one was very rich, few were very poor, the air was clean, and there was time to live. But there was a spirit abroad in the land, and it was strong here as elsewhere, a spirit that had moved in the depths of the American soil and laboured there, sweating, till it stirred the surface, rove the mountains, and emerged, tangible and monstrous, the god of all good American hearts, bigness. And that god wrought the panting giant. In the souls of the burghers there had always been the profound longing for size. Year by year the longing increased, until it became an accumulated force. We must grow, we must be big, we must be bigger. Bigness means money. And the thing began to happen. Their longing became a mighty will. We must be bigger, bigger, bigger. Get people here, coax them here, bribe them, swindle them into coming if you must, but get them. Shout them into coming, deafen them into coming. Any kind of people, all kinds of people. We must be bigger. Blow, boost, brag, kill the fault-finder, scream and bellow to the most high. Bigness is patriotism and honour. 
Bigness is love and life and happiness. Bigness is money. We want bigness. They got it. From all the states the people came, thinly at first and slowly, but faster and faster, in thicker and thicker swarms as the quick years went by. White people came, and black people, and brown people, and yellow people. The negroes came from the south by the thousands and thousands, multiplying by other thousands and thousands faster than they could die. From the four quarters of the earth the people came, the broken and the unbroken, the tame and the wild, Germans, Irish, Italians, Hungarians, Scotch, Welsh, English, French, Swiss, Swedes, Norwegians, Greeks, Poles, Russian Jews, Dalmatians, Armenians, Romanians, Servians, Persians, Syrians, Japanese, Chinese, Turks, and every hybrid that these could propagate. And if there were no Eskimos nor Patagonians, what other human strain that earth might furnish failed to swim and bubble in this crucible? With bigness came the new machinery and the rush. The streets began to roar and rattle, the houses to tremble, the pavements were worn under the tread of hurrying multitudes. The old, leisurely, quizzical look of the faces was lost in something harder and warier, and a cockney type began to emerge discernibly, a cynical young mongrel, barbaric of feature, muscular and cunning, dressed in good fabrics fashioned apparently in imitation of the sketches drawn by newspaper comedians. The female of his kind came with him, a pale girl, shoddy and a little rouged, and they communicated in a nasal argo, mainly insolences and elisions. Nay, the common speech of the people showed change, in place of the old Midland vernacular, irregular but clean, and not unwholesomely drawling, a jerky dialect of coined metaphors began to be heard, held together by gunners and gottas, and much fostered by the public journals. The city piled itself high in the centre, tower on tower for a nucleus, and spread itself out over the plain, mile after mile, and in its vitals, like benevolent bacilli, contending with malevolent in the body of a man, missions and refuges offered what resistance they might to the saloons and all the hells that cities house and shelter. Temptation and ruin were ready commodities on the market, for purchase by the venturesome. Highwaymen walked the streets at night, and sometimes killed. Snatching thieves were busy everywhere in the dusk, while housebreakers were a common apprehension, and frequent reality. Life itself was somewhat safer from intentional destruction than it was in medieval Rome during a faction war, though the Roman murderer was more like to pay for his deed, but death or mutilation beneath the wheels lay in ambush at every crossing. The politicians let the people make all the laws they liked. It did not matter much, and the taxes went up, which is good for politicians. Law-making was a pastime of the people. Nothing pleased them more. Singular fermentation of their humour, they even had laws forbidding dangerous speed. More marvellous still, they had a law forbidding smoke. They forbade chimneys to smoke, and they forbade cigarettes to smoke. They made laws for all things, and forgot them immediately, though sometimes they would remember after a while, and hurry to make new laws, that the old laws should be enforced, and then forget both new and old. Wherever enforcement threatened money or votes, 
or wherever it was too much to bother. It became a joke. Influence was the law. So the place grew, and it grew strong. Straight away when he came, each man fell to the same worship. Give me of thyself, O bigness, power to get more power, riches to get more riches. Give me of thy sweat, that I may sweat more. Give me bigness to get more bigness to myself, O bigness, for thine is the power and the glory, and there is no end but bigness, for ever and for ever. End of chapter one. Read by Kara Schallenberg, www.kray.org, on April 7th, 2009, in San Diego, California.